Welcome to another episode of the Philly Sports Today podcast. I am Graham Simpson, your host, and as always, Twitter user SlayBurner24 is with me. We got a lot to dissect about this Sixers game, so let's get right into it. First, just, you know, it was a disappointing end. I want to get your overall thoughts before we really get into dissecting this last game. Yeah, I mean, my overall thoughts is that it really ended up coming down to Joel Embiid and his performance. I mean, literally going four for 20 from the field. And I mean, there were other factors. I mean, the fourth quarter was just kind of a disaster. And the whole entire team seemed to show really no effort and seemed to be exhausted. But I mean, when your superstar centers going four for 20 and scoring, like literally, I think he scored four points the entire second half. That's really not a recipe for winning. And the fact that they lost by only three with, with that happening and with Ben slowing down in the second half and with like the bench playing a really bad game, such as Dwight and Shake, uh, that makes me confident in the overall series because we only lost by three with all those factors. I don't think that's going to happen again, to be honest. I don't see a performance like this happening again. But um, yeah, it's, it sucks to see them lose. It would have been nice to see them win in five. But I'm not really worried in the overall like grand scheme of the series in general. No, and both of these losses we've had, we've come out of them thinking like, well, this is not the end of the world by any means. We played like this and only lost by this many. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's you know something good to take into the next game, and I still believe we have all the momentum in this series. Uh, what they did, what Atlanta did on their home court will in no way transfer uh, to Wells Fargo Center. So that's that's a plus for us, and we just got to keep our foot on the grass, of course, uh, on the gas. Without uh, Danny Green, we are losing a bit of defensive versatility and shooting from behind the arc. So that was, you know, because we do have to guard guys like Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich and Galinari, and those guys were not hitting shots in the beginning, but like you said, Embiid was the main factor, and once those guys get, get hot, I mean, it's they were a very, very hard team to beat, but we can beat them. When they're at their best, when the Atlanta Hawks are playing at their peak, they still are not as good as a basketball team as us. When Joe Embiid and Tobias Harris are making their shots on the offense, when Ben Simmons is clamping up and, and may, wrecking havoc and getting out in transition, and um, you know, there's, there's been a couple things that I haven't been impressed with, like George Hill. Uh, he, he hasn't really impressed yeah. me. I mean, he, he hasn't made like, like, I mean, he, of course he's made good plays and he hasn't really done too much overboard with being bad. He just hasn't been as solid as I'd hope him to be. And Matisse Seibel, of course, uh, without Denny Green, we are going to have to have him make shots. And uh, he, his offense is, is a huge liability right now. And it's hard to keep him on the floor, especially when you need to make three-pointers down the stretch because you have players like like John Collins hitting that three. I mean, that was huge with a great pass from Trey Young. And we really didn't have a player like that uh, to, to make that shot because Embiid was missing. Of course, you can't trust Ben Simmons. You can't trust Matisse. Uh, Tobias was not great at all down the stretch. I mean, he was fouling and uh, he, he was turning the ball over. So uh, there was a lot of factors in, in this game and we still ended up losing by three. So yeah, there's a lot of positives from this loss. And both both times we've lost in this series, we've had positives. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you you're you're exactly right there. It's funny how you're saying about I mean Trey Young, he had an eight for twenty six shooting game. Obviously he had twenty five points, but I thought we played pretty good defense on him. His passing was probably some of his best passing performance of the season. He had eighteen assists, which is miles ahead of anyone else on the entire like on their entire team and like even on our team, even Ben only had nine assists that game. But it was just our def- – it was really just our defense. I mean, it was – at some points it was just lazy, like I was saying earlier. I mean, 
It just, yeah. I mean, it felt like Bogdanovich was just hitting open shots sometimes. Like it was just, he would get a contested shot, he would miss, and then he would just have an open shot and make it. And that's no hate on him. I mean, he's a, still a great player. Just, I didn't really feel like he was getting, really doing anything special. He was kind of just getting open threes off really defensive breakdowns from the Sixers. And Kevin Hurd only had 10 points. Um, I would say said Trey, he, he ended up, I mean, he had zero points in the first quarter or when he first got subbed out. And then he had, I think he had eight points at halftime. So he really wasn't even a factor in this game, to be honest. And it just, I mean, I know I talked about the offense and the offense probably is the really real big reason we lost this game. As I still say, Joel Embiid is the biggest reason we lost this game, but it felt like the defense was lazy in the third quarter. Cause we went into that. We went into halftime with a big lead or a relative lead. We were up like 17 at some point in this game and you end up losing it. That's really just not a good look at all. No, it, it's yeah. It's Trey Young's passing is phenomenal, and it's not a good look that we've had only two bad halves, and it's a two-two series. Like we've really only yeah. played bad basketball for a total of one game, including the the first half in game one, and then the second half in game four, and it's a two-two series. Not ideal, but it does show you that we have been the better team. Uh, we were the better team in in game one, believe it or not. Even though like we. We were the better team. We showed we got off to a, we got off to a slow start. We showed who we really are. We showed our true colors, and then we we won pretty convincingly in the next two games. And then we got off to a what? Uh, I mean, no lead is safe in this series. If anything's taught you, if this series has taught you anything, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, we I mean we played two bad halves of basketball, and it's a two-two series, which you can. I mean, maybe you you're thinking, oh, you let the Hawks back into it, and you know all this, but I'm looking at it like, I mean, we we really have. We, we really have controlled this series. And if we just have uh, our, play, our star players play decent, we're going to win. So, I mean, there's like, there's, Embiid doesn't have to do anything special. He doesn't have to have like 37. Or, and Tobias Harris doesn't have to have 30 plus. We just need our, our guys to play solid. And we need to make that. We need to make shots. And we got to make free throws. I mean, the free throws, like, I honestly believe if we, make, if we just make our free throws, I think we shot like, yeah, we shot 71%. We were five of 21 from free throws. If we make our free throws, by the way, we, have, we would not lose a game this entire playoffs. We would be yeah. 8-0 right now if we just made free throws. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, you're exactly right. The only thing I was going to say is that I didn't, the only real like long-term concern I took out of this game was Doc's, and I've thought this before, is Doc's like inability to make in-game adjustments. I mean, in the fourth quarter, we went on like a five-minute scoring drive or something, maybe even longer than that. And I don't know why it was like the offense was clearly not working the normal way, like running it through Joel Embiid and Tobias was off on a shooting and then he took out Tobias. And it just felt like it wasn't really – it's like he just kept giving the ball to Embiid even though he was clearly – I don't know if he was hurt. I just think he was – really gassed to be honest I think he was just exhausted and he just was having an off shooting night I mean he's not perfect I know he's great but it's just he's not gonna have a perfect 40 points every single night and I just was kind of concerned about that and I thought he could have changed the rotations a little bit he could have given Joel a little more rest than he did Joel ended up playing 36 minutes which is uh two only two minutes less than Tobias who had the most uh the in the entire starters so I'm not I don't want to like put panic on that yet but against a team like the Nets or the Bucks whoever advances first off, you can't play like this. And second, if you go down in that game to a, to those two really good offensive teams and good defensive teams in terms of the box, you need to make adjustments at halftime or during the third quarter. You can't just keep going the same thing over and over again and be in the post and just hope he can score. It's the definition of insanity. You can't keep doing that over and over again. 
yeah, we became a one-dimensional team really down the stretch. Yeah. And exactly. Clint Capella was ready for it. And, and, and granted, Clint Capella has been getting cooked this series. And he knew he had to show up. And he really wasn't playing amazing defense like he was hyped up to play. It was just Embiid had nothing left in the tank. And uh, he, he looked like – it looked like Embiid was a step slow on pretty much everything in every facet of the game. And, yes, we've seen it before this season. And, yes, he's bounced back plenty and plenty of times. But it's just it's in the playoff game where where it matters the most. You're not really as mad as Embiid. Like to me, I mean, I know Embiid's gonna have an off shooting night at some point in this playoffs. It was inevitable to happen. But I'm just like Tobias. You got to take this game over. Ben Simmons. You gotta you know you gotta drive aggressively and make your free throws. Or Seth Curry or Corkmaz. I mean, we gotta have guys make big time shots at big times. And we were just lacking that. And and that's something we've lacked really. Uh, throughout the season without I me mean, because you look at Joel and he made that shot against Utah and you look at Tobias he's made that shot against the Lakers and there's something that like do, do you trust any any person other than Joel or, or maybe Tobias to hit a big time shot and we went to Seth Curry you know and it, it, it Shake Milton was was uh, I think Shake Milton should have pulled up and, and uh and what I was I was really screaming I was like pull up Shake and uh yeah we tried to run the play to Seth and we got a pretty pretty horrible look at at the tying game tying three yeah it felt like mb was just leaving the game to to bias to seth to ben i don't really say Furkan because you kind of have a tough position to put him in i mean he's hit some clutch shot this shots this year and in past years obviously the game winner against the trailblazers or the yeah. almost game winner i mean and then the, the uh, clock, but game tying against the bucks yeah exactly so i mean i I feel like it just was one of those – I mean, it's just one of those games. This team is not perfect. They're going to lose games. The Hawks are not a bad team. I mean, if you're against the Wizards, you might win this game, like even how bad you're playing. But the Hawks are a really good team, and I, it's going to be it's going to be tough. You're going to need to – I mean, obviously, it's at home, so that's a big advantage. So, obviously, game five, you need to win. And, yeah, game five, you need to win. That's at home. But – I wasn't too impressed with Furkan, to be honest. I mean, he did pretty well in the first half, but he was kind of like, in my opinion, he was kind of unplayable in the second half. I didn't really want to see him over Matisse, but right. that's what Doc ended up going with. But uh, And I thought Matisse had a great game. Uh, he only played 21 minutes, and Furkan played 25 minutes. But it's going to be tough. I'll see. I don't think Doc's going to change the starting lineup, to be honest, but it's it'll be interesting to see if he says anything about that, changing the lineup or not. But yeah, this is a good Hawks team, and they can't discredit them at all. I mean, they played well, but I'm just not concerned, like I said earlier, because we lost by three points in one of our worst performances of the entire season in general and probably our worst performance of the postseason. Yeah, and there's something about our defense that it's taken off nights before, and we've won. Like, we've had uninspired eff efforts defensively, and we've still walked away with wins. But if you, we, when we are kryptonite – when we do have a, a poor defensive performance, especially in the second half, like like against Memphis, John Morant is just killing us in the pick and roll with his facilitating. And we lost to Memphis twice, right? It, it, it pretty yeah. badly, twice twice in the regular season. And it was similar to that. Like Trey Young was just in the pick and roll, was just picking our defense apart no matter what he did. Uh, once he realized that, 
uh, he can't beat Ben Simmons playing basketball. And John Morant, like John Morant knew he couldn't, he couldn't beat Matisse Thibault where Ben Simmons playing basketball. So he just facilitated, facilitated through the pick and roll. And once we, we're late closing out, well, we're, letting, uh, we're not boxing out. We're letting the team get offensive rebounds, second chance points. Uh, it's a recipe for disaster, especially against a, a, a point guard that has the court vision like Trey Young does. And uh, yeah, that, it kind of rem- reminded me of how like Memphis just picked apart our defense twice yeah i mean yeah i mean that yeah i that's interesting you said that i mean i didn't even think about that but you're right i mean our usually when our defense takes an off night our offense is able to step up but it's i mean you'd think that defense played well as it was only 103 points but they really didn't play that well this game i don't think um i mean i'll have to look back i'll rewatch parts of the game to see you know kind of how they looked in some possessions the end of the game but uh, like you, I was, I forgot to say this earlier, uh, last time I was talking about the last shot. I mean, I don't really know what shake was thinking there. I mean, in the end, like it was kind of like five seconds left. You're running to the court. He probably wouldn't have made it anyway, but shake, yeah, still- if you're watching, if you're watching the replay, shake literally has yeah. a wide, not a wide open, but a shot right there in front of the basket. And you pass it to Seth Curry, who's far away in like a double coverage. And he has to throw up like a heave and it almost went in, but that's because yeah. it's Seth Curry and he's like insanely accurate shooter. So like, but I don't really know what his decision making is there. I'm not surprised. I mean, Shake's not really been in too many big end game moments anyway, but it's just kind of something that can't, that just can't happen. And the thing is like, I, don't, I think it was John Collins who was defending Shake at that time. And he was in drop coverage. <laughs> like like he yeah. was giving, he was giving him the shot. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, may, I, I understand you got to run the play, but uh, yeah, this Seth got a much worse look than what Shake would have gotten, and I can say that with one hundred percent certainty about uh, that that final play and Ben Simmons not being there. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I understand. Uh, it, it was a little frustrating to have. Like well, why would they put him out there though? Because yeah, I, 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 we need a three. I understand that, and uh, like I, you can tell Ben was frustrated, uh, sitting on the sidelines, and Joel wasn't. Joel wasn't gonna get the ball. Well, I mean, it was pretty clear uh, from seeing the previous possession where he missed the pretty much wide open layup, and it was it was just like the game wasn't slowing down for our guys. I feel like the the pace was too fast, and uh, we we looked unexperienced really down the stretch and uh this is something that is uncharacteristic and i know it won't happen again so that's why i'm confident that we'll win in six and uh we'll we'll come back we'll, we'll blow them out in the wells fargo center and we'll take care of business back in atlanta so yeah it, it does worry me a little bit about joel's health uh because he did not look 100 percent, and i know he's not going to be 100 percent, and that's just what we have to live with here in philly but uh it it does it does bring a spark, I think, that I know Tobias and Ben will definitely uh, not be happy with themselves with this performance, and they'll have to come out uh, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I didn't like the previous possession either when it was 101 to 100. You referenced that when Tobias got it and he passed to Embiid. I don't mind. I get the whole play call, but they really rushed it, in my opinion, like completely rushed it, and – I would have just liked the ball. I know Tobias was cold, but so was like everyone else. I would have liked the ball in Tobias's hands there the whole way. He's been our closer all year. He hit the game winner against the Lakers um, way back earlier in the season. And we know he can be clutch and clutch moments. I know Embiid can be that also. But like I said earlier, it was clear Embiid was not having a good game. We did not need him to have the ball. 
he has to be in there because of his presence, but we do not yeah. need to, we did not need to have him get the ball in the last possession. It made no sense to me. And it really frustrated me. To be honest. And that's on doc, obviously, because the players just running the play, but I would have liked to see the ball in Tobias hands. But the one thing I was going to, I think we should talk about is, do you think like Embiid reaggravated something or do you think he's just, he just had an off game? Cause I just think he had an off game, but pe- some people think he's like even more hurt and he might not play in the next game. I think it was just an off shooting night. A lot of it has to do with fatigue. And uh, I mean, he probably, it didn't look like he, he was like mentally uh, there at, uh, he, I think it was mental fatigue, physical fatigue, the whole nine yards. And uh, Embiid will bounce back. I know that for sure. And it was, it just wasn't his game. He was getting frustrated with himself throughout the entire game, throughout the entire four quarters, not just in the second half. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, the injury concern is there, but I'm still confident that he'll come back just the normal Joel Embiid uh, in, in the rest of the series in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, so the whole thing about, like, the – I mean, not 100% when he said that. I wasn't shocked. He's been saying in the whole postseason, him not being 100%. But I wasn't as concerned as others with this game in terms of injury. I don't think his – maybe I'll have to rewatch it. I've watched some of it back already. But I don't think his body language was very different than – it usually is. I think the commentators were honestly spreading kind of fake news like to everyone like on the broadcast saying like, oh, and B, he's leaning over, oh, he's getting treatment. But that's what he's been getting the entire playoff so far. So that didn't concern me at all. But obviously it was strange in his press conference. He said that he like didn't have enough to lift to dunk it, which when I first saw that, I was like, whoa, like that, that's kind of crazy. I mean, that sounds like something serious. I mean, that can be fatigue also, but I mean, I'm not – that did concern me a little more than I was right after the game ended. But I still think even if it's a day of rest, I still think next game, maybe he'll take it slower. Maybe he'll, you know, slow down his production. Maybe he'll play less minutes. I, I doubt that, but I, that would probably be smart for them to do, especially they're at home. I think they can run away with the game, probably finish it before the fourth quarter. That's just my opinion. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's anything. I think, like I said, it's, he's not a robot. He's not going to drop 40 points every night. He's going to have off-shooting nights. He literally dropped zero points once in it before he was even injured. So, like, he's going to have off-shooting nights. But it was concerning to hear that he couldn't lift to dunk the ball or draw a foul in the last possession of the game. Yeah, and when you're a big man like that, there's a lot of wear and tear on your body. And especially the way Joel Embiid plays is like no none other. And uh, going in, I think a lot of it has to do with the Wizards series. I mean, he was he was a beast in the paint. He's been a beast in the paint in this series, and it does take a wear and tear, especially you know back to back road games. I think he gets he gets back to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, he's in his house. He's he, you know he's, he's relaxing. He's eating some home cooking and stuff like that. Makes him feel more comfortable, more more like himself. Because uh, that is a big factor. I mean, back to back road games in, in the playoffs are very tough. I mean, you look at Utah. I mean, they like the their second game in uh, LA. I mean, it, it's, it, it's stuff like that uh, in the playoffs that are always daunting. And Joel, the way he plays, I feel like that, that got the best of him just a little bit. Yeah. He did seem a little uncomfortable out there. It was just interesting. Cause in the first half he seemed, I don't know if he was perfect, but he did pretty well in the first half. I couldn't tell how many points he had, but I think it was around 14 or 15 probably. So it was just strange difference in the first, second half. And that was the whole team. But um, I'm really interested to see in general how he just plays next game or how he starts next game because maybe towards the end he'll be fatigued. But this second half, Joel, is something we haven't seen in the playoffs so far from what I can remember. So, 
But still, I mean, we've already talked about why that's could be something, could be not. I'd still be surprised if Joel didn't play next game. He'll be listed questionable like he always is. But uh, we need Joel to play like Joel Embiid if we want to go anywhere in this playoffs. Because I think we can win a game with him being off like this. Uh, maybe not as bad as this, but guys like Tobias and Ben and I think Seth, who had 17 points anyway, will step up when Joel is an off game. But if we're going to want to beat the Bucks or the Nets, which is tied 2-2 right now, so we don't know who, we're going to need Embiid to play like the runner-up for MVP. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I want to go back to this last shot. And I think Doc Rivers might have overthought it a little because you look back to the Lakers game and Joel's having a great night. And Tobias Harris has had a, has had a you know, he, he's been off and on a little, but he's made shots. And you look at who had the mismatch. And Caruso was on Tobias. Kevin Herter was on Tobias. I think we overthought this. I think we should have gone to the mismatch, given the ball to Tobias and let him work in that mid-range because he's pretty much automatic from there. And he has been throughout both series. So I, I would have liked the ball to go into Tobias' hands uh, on that last possession. Yes, MB probably should have made that layup. But uh, yeah, I, I think that it, I think we just overthought it a little. It, it, when Embiid, he, he showed all the red flags to not give him the ball, and he pretty much almost made it, which is impressive. But, uh, yeah, I, I, with Kevin, I would, I would love to see Tobias take on Kevin Herter one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Uh, this might be – people might think this is ridiculous to say, but Embiid might have been, like, the last person I wanted to get the ball in that scenario. He should have made the layup, but, again, I've been saying this, like, he just – he was on an off night, and there's no reason to give him the ball there. Even when he had a good night against the Lakers, exactly like you said, I mean, they gave the ball to Tobias because he's the closer. And even if Tobias is having an off game, he can make those shots in the last 10 seconds. I think they shot it with like – I think they had the ball with like 10 or 11 seconds around that. So I don't really get what Doc was thinking there. I would have had Ben Simmons there. could have had a Seth Curry jumper there. Um, I don't – I guess Furcon was probably in there, right? Furcon was in that possession. Yeah. I could have had a Furcon jumper or he drive in because people don't expect that. I don't know who was even guarding him, but it was just a poor last few possessions, to be honest. Not even that, just that possession. Just a like poor last few possessions uh, from Doc. And, yeah, I don't think it was a great Doc Rivers game as well. I think that's kind of an underrated part to this game. I don't think Doc Rivers had a really good fourth quarter at all. And, obviously, the players have to play well. But I think Doc was a little uninspired tonight, to be honest. Yeah, and that was a testament to the entire game, really, like – it was or the second half. Everybody was a, was a step off for for us, and we paid the price. I mean, they snuck out a win, and um, I I think that we should have won this game, no doubt. But that's not what happened, so we have to put it in the back window. You know, we have to let go of it and move on and win the next two because I really do think that we can win the next two pretty convincingly, and maybe this Milwaukee series goes seven. You never know when that happens. Yeah, I mean, it would have been not, It would have been really nice to. Catch get this up in five because that the likelihood is that the Bucks series you know seven. I mean maybe the Bucks win the next two because the uh, Nets injuries, but with James Harden probably coming back at some time in the series, maybe not today, but he was moved up to doubtful for today, so that probably means he'll play at least the next game. So that series I think will probably go seven. So it'd have been super nice to get more off some more rest. Excuse me uh, for for the next series, the Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah, I'm still confident we're going to win this series. Um, you can't lose at home by any means. I don't think they will. Um, I think if they won at home, they'd have enough momentum to carry over to in Atlanta and win game six. But 
I mean, you're, you put yourself in a tough spot. You could have been up 3-1, and then you could have afforded a loss at home there, and you could have finished the series in six there. But, you know, I mean, it's just the NBA. They sometimes sometimes the Sixers aren't on their 100% game, and that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and the scoring drought really does hurt. Uh, there's no reason yeah. why we should go five-plus minutes without scoring a basket in a playoff game. And when Embiid, that tends to happen when Embiid's not having a great shooting night. If you look back on the games we played uh, against Toronto in, in Tampa, uh, that that was the first time we've really seen a, a team in the regular season double Embiid on pretty much every single possession, and we got no help from anyone else. And I think we went on like a seven-minute scoring drought because – Embiid wasn't delivering because he literally could not he couldn't deliver because there's no lane for him to get to the basket and he was suffering from fatigue and you know, he he was had a lingering injury with that back problem and Tobias didn't step up Ben didn't step up uh, Danny and Seth were make were making shots and it, it was it, it was similar to that I told you that before we went on air that it felt like that Toronto game where it things just went downhill quickly because Joel was, you know, he couldn't really do anything because of what the defense were showing him. And we had no one else that were willing to step up or able to step up. Yeah, I mean, I told you it was a perfect, perfect comparison to this game. Even if Joel wasn't playing well, I mean, the, it seemed like he was kind of a lot of things. I mean, he was fatigued. He was confused about the double team sometimes. He just, I wouldn't even see me seem uninterested. He was just kind of, lacking what Joel Embiid is and usually when and this exactly the same thing happened in the Raptors game usually the players around him step up maybe Tobias has a 30 point or 20 plus we had 20 points but maybe a 25 or 30 points plus game uh a bench player steps up maybe uh Ben Simmons usually has a good game I think Ben Simmons had a pretty good game in general but the fourth quarter he literally I don't think he really did anything to be honest and Seth Curry didn't score much in the second half he might not have scored at all in the second half he had like maybe three points in the second half, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, that's where in-game adjustments have to come in as well. I mean, if you know they're going to double team and you know Embiid isn't playing well, you got to change your strategy and Doc didn't do that at all. So again, that only happened like once or twice in the regular season. So I, that's another reason why I'm just not concerned about this year, the game six or game five or game six, but um, yeah, I mean, it is relatively concerning to see that. Do you have a problem with George Hill receiving 13 minutes and Tyrese Maxey receiving seven? I do. And I don't think it's going to change. I think this is going to happen the rest of the playoffs, however far the Sixers go. But I just haven't been impressed with George Hill. I mean, it's the bottom line. And I think most Sixers fans would agree with me. And, I mean, you see 13 minutes. He's got, I don't know, he had two points, which you can't just look at points. They're like plus minuses. But – I mean, Maxie had a better plus minus. He played six minutes, but you can't really judge that. But just in general, I think you were, you saw the success of Maxie coming off the bench and then increasing his minutes. And it wasn't even decreasing George Hill's minutes. With Danny Green out now, the whole rotations are a little different than it was in the Wizards series. But I just don't – I don't know what's up with George Hill. Maybe he's still injured. Maybe he's – he just seems uninterested. I mean, he seems – un he just doesn't seem really like he cares much sometimes during the games. And Maxie always comes in with energy. I don't think Max even played a bad playoff game yet from what I can remember. And I just don't, I don't really like George Hill, what, how he's playing right now. And I don't see why you wouldn't put Maxi in, I guess it's because of experience and doc might be worried that 
Maxi might, you know, in the spotlight might not succeed, but that's all he's done so far in his career. I mean, all he's done is succeed when he's been put under pressure. So yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't just try it, but I don't think it's going to happen. He had, Tyrese Maxi has not given Doc Rivers a reason not to play him. Yeah. Can you think of a reason why Tyrese Maxey shouldn't play other than he's unexperienced? Yeah, has, there, has, say, there been, only, has there been a play on the court? Has there been one singular play or a stretch of games where you've where what you've seen from Tyrese Max that would lead you to believe why he's getting seven and uh, George Hill's getting thirteen? No, there's, it doesn't all. exist. It, it does like like that, that's there's no reason for at least at least to have them similar minutes, maybe like ten and ten. I I don't know, but I mean it's it's. It's uh, it's concerning. Like I think that Tyrese Maxey actually would benefit this team much more than George Hill would, just because of the way he plays. I mean, he's fast and he's going to get at it. And he's going to bring energy, and that's what we needed. We needed a spark desperately, desperately. We needed a spark. And Tyrese Maxey's like, I mean, the guys love him. Uh, you know, I think in in Philadelphia, it would the spark would help more because I mean. It, you look at how the crowd reacts when Tyrese goes to check in. I mean, it becomes electric when he gets the ball. He is electric, and uh, I think that when I need to see Tyrese play more in Philadelphia uh, when we come back home for Game Five. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, the, like if if you look at the way it, when the crowd reacts when George Hill checks in to when yeah. Tyrese Maxey checks in. It's yeah. I mean, at this point, I I think I'd even take Shake over George Hill at this point. But that's I mean, that's a different story. I mean. Yeah, I mean, the whole crowd thing, you're, you're right. I mean, I don't think the crowd's going to get down when George Hill's in. The crowd's going to be loud either way. But, I mean, the crowd goes crazy when George, when Maxi comes in. And I don't see really another well, – I only see one reason, which is inexperience, why Maxi isn't playing. And I don't really even get that point because he played a lot in the Wizards series and didn't show any inexperience to what I've seen. I didn't see anything. He looks – I mean – George Hill looks more inexperienced than him, and he's a, a tenured veteran, and Maxie's a rookie. So, I don't, again, I don't think Doc's going to change the rotation, but I'd love to see Maxie playing more minutes than, or even split minutes with George Hill, because I'm cool with George Hill still playing. He can still play, but I don't see why we can't just increase Maxie's minutes a little bit and then decrease George Hill's a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've said this about Tyrese the entire year. He's not your average rookie. Yeah. Like, no, he's not the best rookie. He's definitely – he's far from the worst, but he is not your average rookie. He's coming out of a Coach K system. And you look at guards from Kentucky or, or – or, no, not Coach K, Coach Calipari system in, uh, in, in Kentucky, and, like, their guard – I mean, they're polished players. Like, Emmanuel Quickly and, and uh, Tyrese Maxey, they both have two of the best floaters in the, in the NBA right now. Yeah, and I mean that that happened. I mean, there's no cool. There's not. That's not a coincidence. I know Derrick Rose was coached by uh, Coach Cal, uh, in in Memphis, and he came into the league with one of the best floaters. So I mean, he. I mean, they coach they polished players, and uh, yeah, Tyrese is not your average rookie. There's nothing that he's shown. If you didn't know Tyrese, like if you didn't know Tyrese was a rookie, you'd never find out. Just yeah. the way you look at his Instagram stories, he's in the gym at 5.30 in the morning. I mean, he, this guy is a hard worker, and he wants it. He's hungry. And there's, I, there's not a way uh, that I would just say, like, no, you can only play this many minutes because of your age or there's, you're lacking in experience. I mean, there's, I, there's no way that he's worse. He would give worse production than what George Hill would do. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole inning – I mean, you said everything. There. The whole inexperience thing is not how I would coach the team. But – and I, I still see why they brought in George Hill. But now looking back at the trade, I'm kind of regretting it because I think we could use a guy like Tony Bradley right now. But that's beside the points in the past. There's no point in saying that. But, yeah, I mean, you said it all there. I don't – I really want to see more minutes from Maxi, but I don't think we will, unfortunately. All right, is there anything you want to say about the other series going on? Uh, no, I mean, I'm excited for the Bucks, uh, the Bucks, the Bucks Nets game tonight. It sucks that uh, Kyrie and Harden have been banked up and it's really hurt the Nets this entire series, um, or at least the first, or the, at least the last two games of the series. But Harden was upgraded to doubtful tonight, and I know that sounds upgraded to doubtful, but I think it's more like a game time decision type deal because they said he would work it out before the in pregame, and then they'll see if he plays. I don't think he'll play today, but. If they're down 3-2, I don't think there's any doubt he'll play in game six. I'm definitely worried about Kyrie's injury. I mean, they haven't revealed what kind of grade sprain it is, and that's obviously intentional. They don't want to know – they don't want people to know how long the timeline is, but it just didn't look good in general. So, I mean, I'm excited to watch that game tonight. I think with KD only and then compared to the Bucks, I think that will be an even game. I think it will be close towards the end, but it's been an interesting series the whole time. I mean – a lot of these series, they were looking bad at first, and now we got three series tied two to two. The Jazz series as well, which uh, the Clippers tied it up last night. So that that game's tonight at eight thirty. Um, everyone's watch um, to see if you're confident the Sixers are making these grounds finals. You should get a preview of who their opponent might be. And yeah, I mean, I think whoever wins this game could win the whole series game tonight. I think if it goes to a game seven. Uh, I think Brooklyn will win just because they'll probably have James Harden back by then and uh, you know how how lethal he can be. And this Bucks team has doesn't have great pedigree in the playoffs. So there's that. And I think that this is a, a, a game if Milwaukee wins, I think they, they, they will win this series. And if Brooklyn wins, I think it's Brooklyn. So this is probably the most important game as, as of right now. And the injuries is, is costly. Like it is, is, is a part of the game now. And like players like Bruce Brown, I mean, he's got to, he's got to shoot the ball. Uh, he can't be you know, hesitant to do anything. I mean, they've got, they got to rely on what Mike James now and Tyler Johnson. Yeah. So it's for the nets. They're going to have, they're going to have some problems, but it's going to be next man up. And actually I like the way Mike James plays. I really haven't watched much of him until now, until the playoffs, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, he, well, he hasn't played. In. In, he hasn't played until the playoffs. Well, okay, I didn't even know that because I mean, he checked in and I, I knew who he was, but I've I've actually had no idea like about his game. And he came in as soon as James Harden left after the first possession, and, and he really didn't like. He wasn't bad at all. Uh, I was actually quite impressed with the way he played. And the thing, Bruce Brown. I mean, they're basically just letting him shoot, and he's not. Uh, so like when he, I mean, he's he's doing handoffs off the screen. And uh, like they're playing drop coverage on Bruce Brown, uh, basically giving him the three-point shot, and he won't shoot it. And uh, I know, like he, he can make it. It's just uh, he, he has he doesn't have much confidence right now. And they started him in the in the in the last game, and they start they started him, and then yeah, like he didn't even play until the fourth quarter. <laughs> and they were like a he didn't play for a whole way way more than I expect like a 25 minute stretch he was out of the game so yeah that I mean it's going to be interesting to see how 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 their rotation is especially with the guards like I said with Brown James and Johnson so uh, that's something to look out for 
Yeah. yeah. I think the Nets have had a tough, which is obvious they have, but I think the Nets have had a tough time adjusting to losing their two starting guards. I mean, it's impossible to replace James Harden already. And then when you're finally maybe adjusting to losing him, you lose Kyrie Irving, your point guard. So I think the guys they're putting in are doing the best job they can, but they just, I don't think Steve Nash been able to adjust without them yet, which is why they've lost the last two or the, yeah, the last two games. I mean, even though game three was close, the Bucks ended up still beating them. So, and now Kyrie's out. Kyrie is already out for this game. Harden probably isn't going to play. And I hate to say it, but Katie's going to have to step up. I mean, he was not good in that, in that time last game where Kyrie was out. So in general, I mean, the, obviously the bench guys are a step up, but I think it comes down to KD. And I hate, I always hate saying it comes down to one player, but Kevin Durant just has to step up tonight. And yeah, he was, they, he was one of the pivotal game. He was yeah, one of, well, yeah, one of the Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't feel like it was that bad, but geez. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what happened. He's a great player and everyone's like jumping to conclusions saying he's overrated after this game, but I think he will step up, but I don't know who's going to win this game. I mean, I have no idea. I think it's going to be coming out of the wire. I think it's going to be close. Yeah, and another player I forgot for Brooklyn is, is Landry Shamit. Uh, he's also going to have to yeah. create an impact. Um, so it's fun. It's hilarious. It's just funny saying that. Like, the, you think yeah. of the Nets and you think of like the big three, and now you got these like Mike James and like Landry Shamit are going to have to step up to like save their season. Uh, yeah, Sixers legend Landry Shamit. But, I mean, it's, uh, I don't like the Nets, but it sucks to see all these injuries happening. Yeah, it does. It, like, I, I like Kyrie Irving. I love the way he plays. Oh, I love Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, the way he plays. If you don't like the way Kyrie Irving plays, there's something wrong with you. Like, yeah. I mean, you can be a Celtics fan and hate his guts, but you have to respect the way he plays. And it, the way he plays is good for basketball. You know, uh, a lot of people that fell in love with basketball, like me, just watching Allen Iverson highlights. You know, it's something similar to yeah. that where they can just one-on-one, they can beat anybody and everybody, and they're not scared from any type of competition. So, yeah, losing Kyrie, it does hurt, and we really don't know much about the timetable at all. So uh, it, it, the, if Brooklyn can, can squeak past this, I think they're going to be hard to beat because their role players will have a lot of confidence that they could win this series. And uh, – so, but again, I, I still think that they are a beatable team no matter if we play them healthy or not. It's just that uh, losing a player like Kyrie and we don't know if James Harden will come back 100% or not because he tried to play and was out for the first – out in the yeah, first. Yeah, I don't, I don't think – if he comes back, I don't think he'll be 100%. And I don't think he plays today. Um, I think we can just go ahead and scratch mm-hmm. him off because of the way yeah. that game one went where – it is. It, even it is interesting that they ruled him out and then upgraded him to doubtful this morning. I don't really know what would have changed. I guess he woke up and felt a little better. He's going to try to play every single game, but he oh, won't be sure. healthy. He'll It'll be yeah. like Embiid. Yeah. He won't be 100% healthy. I don't think – unless he sits this series and then sits a few games next series, I don't think he'll ever be 100% healthy these playoffs. No, I, I really don't see how they play him uh, because – there's no way he can just come into this and play play a game like this and not be a hundred percent without. Yeah, we can't even speculate. Yeah, we can't even speculate about Kyrie because I mean Steve Nash is pulling a page to the Joe Girardi book. He's not even telling us at all what the injury is. So the I don't even want to speculate decision. when he's gonna play because yeah, I mean he can't even like like I know he's out today. We know that, but is he gonna come back next game? Is he out for the rest of the playoffs? Like I literally, I guess he was out for the playoffs. They probably say something, but maybe they don't even know that yet. Like, I don't, 
there's no way for us to even tell, which is why this series is impossible to predict right now. Literally impossible. Yeah, so Sixers fans need to be tuned in watching this very yeah. closely. And there's going to be a lot to dissect from this one, too, because of the way we know the Sixers play and how we can attack them. But first, we have to take care of business, uh, beating Atlanta at home, which I think we will, bringing that momentum to the A and beating them on their home court. And we can hopefully we can sit back, relax, and watch a game seven of this Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. That's the ideal plan for me. Uh, but, yeah, before, before we finish up, uh, of course, Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Who do you like now in the uh, Clippers-Jazz series? Yeah, so before the series, I picked the Clippers to win, I think, in six, and which is still possible. But after those first two games at home, I mean, to me, it just seems like I don't know if the Jazz can lose at home. And that seems like the Sixers are the same thing as that. But the Jazz at home are just like a dominant team. I mean, the the Jazz at home have been completely different than the – jazz away against the Clippers which is just weird but I mean I still well no I, I now I think that the Jazz are gonna have the edge in the series but this series has been so back and forth I mean you get you get the Jazz win in the first two games then you got two blowouts away at the Clippers stadium which isn't even full capacity I don't know what it is but yeah you look at capacity. the difference of 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 like quarantine or COVID law in Los Angeles to Salt Lake City it's <laughs> kind of ridiculous yeah i mean the jazz so, are 100 percent capacity yeah the, the jazz are 100 percent capacity and some uh yeah <laughs> you look at the, you look you look at the the, the arenas that are 100 percent capacity there's still some designated areas where people can't go uh or or amount close to the like players the I mean, the, yeah. yeah like wells fargo said the jazz do not give a crap yeah. uh and <laughs> and then you go to los angeles and they still got the cardboard cutouts so it's very different, and I was actually kind of shocked that the Jazz didn't win at least one uh, in Los Angeles. Yeah, this, so is a, this is a weird series. I've said it from the jump that the Clippers are one of the, mo the weirdest team in the NBA when it comes to these playoffs, and I think this series goes seven. I have no clue who's going to win, but this, this series I think will go seven. Yeah, I hate giving a prediction like saying the Jazz will win, I think, still, but I, I hate saying that, but you're probably right. It'll probably go seven. I just – I cannot see the Jazz losing at home. And, I mean, I don't know what – I don't think the Clippers' home floor even makes that much of a difference just because the capacity limits. And, in general, they don't have – I don't like to say they don't have the best fans in general. But it's just been so weird, the back and forth this series. I mean, Donovan Mitchell dropping 40 points, and then, then sometimes at the end of the games he was, like, hobbling to the locker room, and then the next game he's fine. It's just – it's just been a strange dynamic. And – I mean, I've always been to watch all these games because they've always – or not always, but mostly been directly after the Sixers game. So they're always on. And you get to tune into the – just watch basketball until uh, until the night's over. And I'm excited to see this game five. I think game five might – I think it's going to be close, and I think it will dictate kind of where this series is going because I'm still not 100% sure where this series is going. I don't know. You said the Clippers are the most confusing team in the NBA. I still don't even know what the Clippers are right now. I don't know what they on. You don't know what you're going to get every single night. And the Jazz, you usually do know what you're going to get. And you saw that last night. They never were able to fight back after like a slow start. Um, I didn't watch the majority of that the majority of that game because the history game was ending, and I was looking box score stuff like that. But they Jazz were never Jazz were never able to shoot their way back into the game and. That's just what it come down to. I mean, they're three-point shooters just making shots and Gobert playing a good game. Um, Derek Favors played awful. I don't even think he should play anymore. He played awful last night. He wasn't – I mean, I don't know what happened to him. He played awful last night. So, I think it's going to be close. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be close 
the rest of the series. But yeah, I can't predict it. I said the Jazz were win. I don't. I should come back on that because I don't think I can even predict the series. And the Suns are going to be sitting back nicely, just watching these teams battle it out when they've won in four. Thanks to Jokic, but uh, yeah. Anyways, that's where we'll end the show, or shorter episode, if you will, I guess. Uh, So thank you for joining us today. If you made it this far, you've had to like something. So let us know if you listened and uh, what we could do better with this podcast. Uh, (laughs) Or just tell us you're listening. It means a lot to us. I've had a couple of people uh, reach out to us and uh, say say they're listening. So, uh, yeah, it's it's always fun to have you guys interact with us on uh, Twitter and, uh, and also on this podcast as we give our thoughts that exceed the 250 character limit. So, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll be back until next time. Votes eat Gene Skura for the All-Star game. Ozzy Albee's better.